0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best panels pertaining to RPG design
1: and publishing. This has been made possible by Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show. Episode 40 Hacking Apocalypse World. Recorded at Metatopia 2014. Presented by Vincent Baker. Misha Fishyanger, Marissa Kelly, Mark Richardson, and Mark Diaz Truman.
0: Alright. I think
1: we should probably try to get the show on the road. Okay. Sorry.
2: Uh, yeah, um, I have I have something until five. Um, okay. okay.
1: All right, uh, this is Hacking Apocalypse World. Uh, if you're not here for that, you're in the wrong place. Um, so I guess I'm going to... This whole idea was my crazy idea. Um, my name is Mark Richardson uh, with my company Screen Hat Designs. I'm making my first game, and I'm Hacking Apocalypse World. And I noticed a trend that a lot of people are hacking Apocalypse World. And I... Uh, talked to Vincent on Twitter, and as game designers are very approachable on Twitter, I said, hey, we, we should do a panel on this, because people would like to talk to your brain. And then a lot of other people were interested in this panel as well. So uh, how about everybody, uh, I don't have much of a plan, but what I was thinking is we could introduce ourselves, and uh, Vincent could talk a bit about some of the origins of Apocalypse World and sort of the game that we all
3: hack and then kind of go from there. When you make a plan. Yeah. Roll plus Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: no. <laughs> sure. um, should I use this yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they
0: record these yeah, things. Yeah, it's recorded, but it's recorded. So. Hello? <laughs> uh I'm Vincent. I made a World. Who here has played a world? Ego. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, who's, who's happening? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh my god.
3: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: Excellent. That's your whole introduction. What? Yeah, like well, yeah. <laughs> so an onion article. Game designer introduces himself by not introducing himself. It engages the fruitful void. I'm um, Mark. Uh, I've uh, done a bunch of Apocalypse World hacking, some of it very, very bad, which I think
0: is a prerequisite for other, other Apocalypse World hacking. Should have seen early apocalypse. Really. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, lately I've been working on a game called Urban Shadows, which we kickstarted this year with Andrew Metiros. Um I was advising Andrew, and then just as as happened with the apocalypse world hack, just got sucked deeper and deeper into it. Um, and it's an urban fantasy plus apocalypse world hack um, that really focuses on cities and communities. I'm also working on two other projects. one is called By the Book, which is a Gotham Central hack where you play uh, cops, and it does a lot of different things with the structure of Apocalypse World. So to you know, just play two full sessions of it. Um, and I just started work on a, a game called Cartel, which is um, a Mexican drug lord uh, Apocalypse World hack where you play uh, the folks who make, sell, and move drugs south of the border. Um, and it's sort of like Breaking Bad meets The Wire in Mexico. So. I'm sure that's a happy family game. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm Marissa Kelly. I'm the other half of Magpie Games, um, so got hand in that pot. Um, and uh, we're also doing a pillion, which is where you play big dragons in a of world sort of uh, rule set. Um, I don't really call these hacking because it's using the engine as far as I can tell. Um, but you have uh, basically My Little Pony meets Lord of the Rings um, <laughs> with dragons. Um, and then um, I also do it, working with uh, Sarah Richardson and Strix on um, uh, Bluebeard, which is a creepy oh. horror or fairy tale thing. Um is that? Yeah. I'm the non-hacker here. Um,
4: I'm just a giant fan girl who has played just about every Apocalypse World derivation there is and loves them all. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just like, trying to not to Gush. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just,
1: I want oh, that one, right there. You finish it. Yes. Finish it. Oh, yeah. That was your, the extent of your plan has been fulfilled. My plan is done. but uh, <laughs> These people are together. Um, so, uh, I mean, a lot of, I, I think one thing to maybe understand, like we're all hacking Apocalypse World, but maybe what is Apocalypse World? And maybe why it came about or something like I don't like yeah, yeah. you know no pressure or anything but
2: well like well I don't know like I mean you know
1: did it start as a hack of something else that we don't
2: even know about? Well everything uh, I mean it's
0: like it's basically Traveller right? And so like Jason Corley said I <laughs> basically Traveller. I've never played Traveller. It might be basically Traveller. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't invent 2 d sex, believe it or not. Um, uh, so, the story is that I've been designing and weird indie games for a long time. Um, and then I played Dungeons and Dragons for the first time as an adult. Uh, uh, the first time ever, really. Um, ben Lehman ran the is that the guy? And he edited in 1980, something like that. Basically, you go up to level 3. Um, and I was like, oh my god, this game is really good. <laughs> so uh, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons with my kids, who were then in junior high. And um, we're playing along, and we're playing along, and it's really fun, and they're in this wizard's tower fighting his animated servants or whatever the deal was. And I'm like, combat isn't working exactly the way I want it to. Maybe I'll maybe I'll tweak this uh, like you do with D. And before I do it, I designed a game called Storming the Wizards Tower that some of the hardcore people might remember. Um, that I had to abandon in late playtesting, and Apocalypse World came immediately out of Storming the Wizards Tower. So uh in a lot of ways, Apocalypse World is my take on what's good about and D. Um, believe it or not. DEEP! Um, <laughs> combined with, I mean, the other games in there are Taloslanta, Ars, Magica, and Sorcerer like the other games that are really represented in the Apocalypse World.
3: I think my favorite
0: part of that story
3: is that then Sage and Adam went on to Dungeon World and then this year on Kickstarter, somebody kickstarted a post-apocalyptic game based on Dungeon World. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think that's the moment when the universe ended and we're all just living in a hologram. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, there's nothing left. I, I don't know, I'm really delighted that they did that. Um, <laughs> it's because you're kind and have a good soul.
5: <laughs> Is that one?
3: <like>? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: pretty sure that's not one. <laughs> Speaking of from an inside perspective. Probably the inside, from the inside goodness, out, Yeah. The goodness of myself. Right. Um. No, no, I'm really delighted because Apocalypse World is a weird-ass game. Yeah. And it, there should be post-apocalyptic Dungeons and Dragons that is not Apocalypse World. There really should be uh, a dun- dungeon world into a post-apocalyptic thing. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well,
5: what <laughs> I mean,
1: good. <laughs> but
0: like, also like, as a game,
1: like Apocalypse World is. not um, like it's harsh and dark, it's screwed up and it's not the most welcoming of, of games, I guess, maybe like, I think it's really fascinating that one of the most hacked systems, that people have done so many different things the original property is, is kind of weird you know, like it's not um,
0: it's really, it's weird yeah, like yeah,
1: <laughs> you know it's Mad Max and all that stuff, and I mean, I guess that's my relations, but I—that's I, I, why I think when I think of Apocalypse World, but I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in it. And yeah. it's,
0: um, anyway, um, well, uh, so when I was working on it, so people, um, <laughs> so I wrote the Brainer Playbook. Is is the first thing I wrote. Um, Oh, I should mention Gregor Hutton's 316. Does everybody know that game? Yeah. Um, I read that and I said, "Oh, playing games again." All right, Gregory, you're on. <laughs> um, and so, so I wrote the. I sat down, you know, one afternoon, and I wrote the the brainer playbook. That was the first thing I wrote for Apocalypse World, and it's completely <laughs> unlike what it is now. But that was the first thing, and. Um, we started playing, and I started writing about it a little bit on public, in in public, and then I made the very first playtest documents available. Um, so this would have been uh, early 2009, probably, um, and immediately people were were designing. Uh, Different games based on it. Uh, People have hacked Apocalypse World before you finish Apocalypse World. Yes. Um, Uh oh, I'm gonna be embarrassed. I don't remember whether Lady Blackbird, Lady Blackbird is an Apocalypse World hack, the first one. Because John Harper had the the play play test material. Um, He said, oh, I see what's going on here. And he made a thing. Um, I think, does anybody can anybody confirm that for me that it was Lady Blackbird? It's a lot um, like the Shadow of Yesterday, but yeah, um, he that's the current form. That's what he did: is he took the Shadow of Yesterday and up on Lady Blackbird doesn't have news in it. No, I might be, I might be mistaken about which one it's. But so I knew immediately that people were going to be using the game in this way, um, hacking it. Um, and there's stuff in Apocalypse World, some of the some of the weirder things and the awkward the weirder mechanically things, um, are there because I wanted to provide a lot of examples of different ways you could go. Um, like the harm move where you're rolling the opposite the opposite way of how you usually do. Like that's there to provide an example for a future designer so that they don't feel where the system is is small. So Brendan and I, Brendan Conrad's and guys
3: are working on like a bunch of different things. And we feel stupid because we keep coming back to apocalypse world. Right? So like we'll be working on something and I'll be stuck with like another for this character that gives them some different vibe, like they're just kind of flat right now. And I'll go back and I'll just like look through my apocalypse World playbooks and be like, oh shit, I'm an operator. They do this thing when they swap this thing to this thing, which is weird. But that's totally what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I feel so dumb because I feel like I'm not I'm like in this box, I'm not getting out of the box. So it's kinda of comforting for you to say, No, no, no. The whole plan for Minute One was to give you a million different tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well absolutely. I don't feel like such an idiot anymore. Mission accomplished you can all go home. Like, like,
2: <laughs> mission accomplished. Um. Although Mark may feel better, um I'm sure that some of you are creating your own hacks know that it's incredibly hard to hack a world versus um, some other thing. And I think Mark Richardson touched on it a little bit earlier on how Actually, just running it is incredibly hard Um, compared to a lot of other games. The the GM bar entry I think is particularly high. Um, As someone who loves new role players, um, I think it's awesome that I can run this for new players and just be like, do stuff, and I'll tell you when you have to roll. That's really pretty player-friendly in my opinion. But if I'm like, so you should totally play this game with your group, I'm like, maybe you should play this game with your group. Um, Because... It's, it's actually quite nuanced in how you have to run it, and um, a lot of the people who I think don't like the game have had it run poorly for them, or incorrectly, if I may. So yeah,
1: to... no, I think, and I think that's a, a really key thing, is, is that it, it's easier to play than it is to run, and I think uh, if you are an experienced DM, Especially with story and indie games, a lot of it sings and makes sense. You're like, Oh this is great, I don't really have to roll dice, I just have to create stuff and go. Uh I mean I find a lot of times when I read through like GM moves in various games, I'm like, I do this shit in every game anyway. You know? Not in some like Dungeon World for example, there's a lot of GM moves and I'm like a lot of these things I just kinda do separate the barrier, and I do that shit all the time. Hey, go downstairs and investigate something, you know? Um, and then I'll hit you with a log. Um, at the time, they'll
4: separate themselves. Yeah, know. exactly.
1: Uh, but if you're a new GM, uh, scary as all hell, um, and so it's uh, like it's a game that I think it it, it it blossomed under designers, right? And then designers took it and were like, oh, I mean, but I, I think it's um, I, I don't
0: know. All right, I, I mean, I hear regularly from people who say this was my first try at jamming a new game. Um, thank you for making it so easy. I like of that pretty
3: right Yeah, I think there's a difference between it's hard to GM and it has uh, a lot of openness and potential that challenges the GM, right? And I think like when I'm GMing Fate, for example, I'm like my job is to put stuff up for you to knock down, and so like your Fate characters, you can knock it down. For Apocalypse World, my job is to engage with you in this conversation that I think has at one level a really easy thing that like we're just talking and we're just yeah, going to no talk. But there's another thing where like you see this place that you can go to. And like for me, I don't get bored running Apocalypse World because that place is ephemeral, right? And like when I get there, I'm like, oh, I'm here. Like, yes. I'm like, I've got my players. They're really with me, and we're all experiencing this. And so I think it's this weird sort of duality to it where it's like a minute to learn, lifetime to master. Like, I just tell you stuff, and then you react, and we're just going to play that way. Yeah. But then there's this other place that like really pushes you. Um, and I think that the what I've learned from designing is the number of times I've designed something and thought, like, oh, this is totally going to aid and assist that conversation, but then it does nothing for the conversation, yeah. that's the point where, like, the designs fall apart. And my worry, right, with seeing a lot of apocalypse world hats come through is the ability to differentiate between those situations when you have moves that are pushing the fiction and moves that are merely moves. They don't, they don't do anything. So, like, Go Agri is a great example. In Apocalypse World, people go aggro all the time because it's natural in the fiction. Give me what I want or I'm going to fucking shoot you in the head. And two, they look on their sheet and they're like, oh, I want yeah this one. I want this one. right?" And so when you're playing, that's constantly ratcheting up the tension, constantly pushing people to do more. And I've designed games. I know other people have designed games in which those moves like don't exist. There's no move that ratchets it up. And so it's interesting watching people try to GM when there's no sort of place to GM from. Right? I, I, I would, I I think this is something we, as a community, are not really talking about because we're not, we're not good at being critical about each other without being jerks about it, right? So we, we have trouble saying like, I hear you here with these moves, but they're not really grabbing me. They don't drive anything. That's not something that we really talk about. And I think it's actually where most of my apocalypse that the fallen apart, fall apart, is at the, the level of the basic moves. It's not like the playbooks aren't interesting or whatever, but like these seven or eight moves or whatever I'm picking here. They don't drive anywhere. It has,
1: it has to push and pull, and it has to stack. I mean, I, I think the expression I've heard the most applied to a box-world gameplay is "it snowballs." You know, is people start doing simple things, and then it just, boom, you know, and then it resets and kind of keeps going. You know, and uh, but you're right. Like if, if the moves you're making don't really push the fiction the fiction aggressively and, and, and ratchet that tension up, it the game falls flat. Like whatever you're doing, it sort of just, you know, fizzles out. Maybe no. Yeah, no, of course. Right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> I mean, so um, what, what, like uh, everybody does different approaches for things. Yeah, sure.
0: I, can you give an example of that? bad so that sort of justifies what you're talking about?
5: Yes. <laughs> Let Vincent do it. Let me think about that for a minute. Um.
0: So I've written about 10 million moves. That's, a, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> like, I say
3: that, that was an exact number. Like, no, like no. there's a, like, like a big wooden board by your bed where like when a move is made, you're like no. notch it. Yeah. So
0: it's a really big Dropbox
3: folder. Yes. And oh my God, most moves are not that good. Uh, uh, I'm not I'm not going to be able to come up with an example,
0: even though I have a game that's failing in playtest right now. Uh,
2: I'm not going to be able to come up with a concise example. So I think think that bad moves um, depend on definitely what fiction you're going for. So a bad move for Apocalypse World is not the same as a bad move for a game where you play Baby Dragon. Um, But that said, that that doesn't make it easier for me, and it definitely makes it harder when I'm trying to make it um, less, you know, when I'm trying to invoke certain feelings. you have to make sure that the move does that for people. Um, I'm, you know, running into certain things where, um, you know, a move that isn't used ever is probably a bad move, as well as a move that um, doesn't make it easy for you to to use it at the end. If you if someone's triggering something and you're like the options there don't lead to an easy way for you to do anything with it, um, then maybe part of your move is not a good move. Um, there's, there's lots of ways to, to change your moves to make them stronger or, or weaker, but it's going to depend on what your game is about.
3: So let me give you, I think there's three, three, three kinds of bad moves that I can think of off the top of my head. First one is a move that is unclear when it triggers, right? So in Cartel, uh, one of the big issues is like selling and buying stuff. Because like people sell and buy stuff all the time, like drugs favors, that kind of thing. And it's said in the real world, so people, money matters. Whereas in Apocalypse World, like, whatever. fuck, give me money, I don't care. Food more important. Right? But this is like money. People care about dollars, right? So if I have a move that says, when we try to close a deal, roll with one of my stats, it's a bad move. Because it's not clear who's rolling and who's triggering the move. And so at the table, the GM and the players are constantly like, uh, it feels like you're kind of making a deal, so maybe you should roll. But you have a bad stat, so maybe I should roll. And that kind of awkwardness really causes problems. So if you look at the trigger and the trigger's not clear, that's a problem. Second one is that if it doesn't fit the fiction, it's a problem. So in Cartel, I talked about making it like persuade someone. But people don't really try to persuade people in drug fiction. They kind of like yell at each other and then go their separate ways, right? Like they're fine like disagreeing. So it doesn't fit. If Marissa had go aggro in a pillion, like those baby dragons like going aggro on each other all the time? Like, I want to fuck you up, baby dragon, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense. And so what happens, and this happened to me a lot, is like you end up with basically apocalypse world where everybody's wearing dragon masks. They're just like, I'm a dragon, but also I'm a bringer. <laughs> like, right? I'm a dragon, I'm a battle big dragon, right? And so that doesn't really work. But the kind that I'm talking about, I want to be specific about it, is one in which the trigger is uninteresting and does nothing to push forward the fiction. So a good example of this would be, when you tell someone to go away, roll plus whatever, on a 10 plus, they can go away if they want, take plus one forward. On a 7 to 9, they don't have to go away, but they have to say something nice about you. That's a terrible fucking move. (laughs) Because first of all, Vincent go away is not interesting in this interaction. And then on the 10 plus, he can just sort of stay. And I'll take a plus one forward, which is like the weakest sauce you can imagine. And then on a seven to nine, like nothing happens, I guess. Right, yeah. So you say I'm so nice, right? And then and like and like we do those moves all the time. We're writing moves that are boring, they're boring in the trigger, they're boring in the outcomes. Right? And the sizzle of all this is like when you open your brain to the psychic maelstrom, that's not safe, I hear. No. Ever not. Not
1: usually say <laughs> Yeah, if, I mean, I I, I think like, if you come up with six moves, you can burn half of them easily, and you just, you should, with fire, you know? Um, like, parse down, and then get the thing, like, what is the thing that's really pushing it, you know? And, and, and then, you know, okay, maybe you got a good move then, and then come up, try to work on something else. Like, I think you have to come up with crappy moves in order to get good moves. Because, especially, like, in a, in a game like, you know, Cartel, right? Moves... Moves play on the fiction, you know. Uh, good moves in Apocalypse World are not good moves in other games, and so on and so forth. So you have to, like, this is why, like, I think in a lot of times people's, uh, like, Dungeon World is used a lot because like, it it's all over the place. And so, you know, uh, you you make uh, is John Adams here? No. Oh, damn. So he was making War World, and he was using Dungeon World stuff in his early draft, and. There are elements that's like you know are you are we playing wizards? Uh, uh, Brian Engard said this to He says like so am I playing a wizard? No. Well then why is this stuff in here? You know like it's it, your game is acting like dungeon world and it's not, you know, and this is a, this is the uh, you have to radically alter every world thing. You know like the moves are the moves define the game, right? I mean, I, do you think that what, what yeah. defines world? Like is it the moves or is it something else?
4: I mean, I I think the moves are there to resolve something within the fiction. So if the move isn't, you know, it's there to solve the problems. Like, okay, I've gotten to this point and I need an answer one way or another. And if the move isn't helping get that answer, it's not a good move. Um, And so what those moves might might be, they might be answering different types of questions and those are where you get the differentiation between moves, but if it's not, the players are going to use a move when they have an, a question that isn't just an easily. We all agree that this is going to be the best way to move forward. Okay, well, we either have some differences on how we want the, how we want the fiction to move forward, or we have um, we don't know where we want to go next. And so that's where that's where I think, that's when you're supposed to be going to the move, right? It's it's okay. There's conflict, or uh, I, I got nothing. What should I do next? And so. If the moves aren't doing something to do that, you know, is it, you know, okay, we've got a conflict, which one of us is going to win? Or, okay, I got nothing, um, what's the abyss say about this? You know, give me a, a, you know, throw me a a line to to, to tug on, you know, to see where am I going to go with
0: this next. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I think of moves as genre analysis. That, um, you know, Apocalypse Apocalypse World is in this. Action, violent HBO kind of genre, and so uh, so its moves are going to be applicable to more applicable as as is to other settings. Is that the right word? Yeah. Other other works within that same larger genre, um, and the further you get from that. Genre, the baby dragons, yeah, baby dragons, for instance, like that demands um, you as the designer to analyze the baby dragon genre, the um,
3: the rich history of baby dragon fiction, both within uh, and without the culture.
0: That's part of the thing is that you're you're inventing, but um, and so so when I'm writing moves, what I think is, well, what are the things that they're going to do, particularly. What are the arenas that they're going to fight in? In their various, you know, as broadly interpreted uh, as you can fight. Um, you know, what are the things they are going to do, and what are the outcomes that are possible when they do those things? Um, and then, sort of most importantly to me is what is the conversation that we? What is the conversation that we should have that, about about that at the table? Um, you know.
1: Is this one that I might work, but I'm not giving up? <laughs> um,
0: so uh, does everybody know what I mean about how we're going to conduct the conversation at the table? That sometimes what's called for is for me as the player to ask the GM questions. And sometimes what's called for is the GM to ask me questions. Um, Sometimes I make half a decision, and another player finishes the decision. Or sometimes mm-hmm. I choose three things from a list, um, and those are all. Each of those is just this little this little artificial structure of conversation that best fits in my brain, because I'm the designer. I get to do that. Um, the best fits this little packet of genre. Um, does that make sense? Am I? No. I think.
2: Maybe we can not have them all on at the same time. I, don't know. I think maybe uh, to that point, there's, it's important to make sure that you're not neglecting the second half of the conversation, which is the principal and GM move. We're just gonna talk about really yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> principles and GM moves that uh, sort of uh, make sure that that you can actually carry on the conversation and support actual moves that you do make. Player-facing things that are very uh, seductive to spend a whole lot of time on, but actually developing your principles and uh, GM moves helps you make your moves because you can keep drawing back on them. You're like, well, if I'm trying to make a horror game, then my moves should definitely go back to making my moves fit with them. That's GM. So you're, you don't want to get too caught up in any one part of the system because. They all work together so beautifully, and that's sort of what makes Apocalypse World so powerful as, a, as an engine, is that you have you have all of the different mechanisms that work together, and think it it's important to remember that when you change some of them, others might change too. So you might have uh, to make sacrifices during design to be like, look, this will change the entire kind of game. Uh, do I want to do that? Or do I want to stick with this other thing? Um, so there's, there are sacrifices and trade-offs, but to make sure that
1: you're looking at the big picture rather than only working on moves or only working on playbooks. Like, one thing I would add to that is something I was saying to you, earlier out there, was you know, if you're hacking and making a game, you're making your game. Make your game. If Apocalypse World does something that is against what you're trying to do, then burn that part of Apocalypse World away. You know? Or re-jog it, or redo it. But don't be afraid of it. Don't let like, like, <laughs> no. Well, fine, fine. But, like, don't, don't let it control. Like, you know, if you're like, oh well, what do I do? Uh, this doesn't, you know, every time a six minus happens, this always has to happen. No, it doesn't. Does it? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I, my game has no basic moves. The players have three moves in my game. I have four moves. Six minus in my game is still success. It works yeah no for sure and, and I mean, but um, at, when that point is really hazy um, I, you know it, it, it's weird uh, you, you do different things you know I mean my game goes way
0: off but one of the things I wanted to do with mine um, with murderous ghosts uh, and the Su land um, which I call I call both of them powered by the apocalypse they um Like I want to say, go 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 go. Do whatever you want. Like make make the game sticking close to Apocalypse World is not the not the goal of Apocalypse World, right? It's not the goal of Powered by the Apocalypse. It's to make a bunch of games that are like Apocalypse World. Uh, I really want, I really enthusiastically want people to take it as far as they can, as far as their games. Uh,
3: require, okay. I think I think the other thing that's that's exciting about that I think we should get to questions then is that um, we've developed is like one one thing I think is true that I think you should know if you're hacking is um, when you develop a game like let's say you're doing a game in which you have just like tokens you spend tokens to do this and tokens to do that um, you release such a game a you probably aren't going to get a lot of interest in it unless you already have a pretty established game. And so you're going to get some people to play it, and they're going to be like, oh, this is interesting. That's really cool. Um, and then you're going to move on, right? And that happened to me with my first two games. Is like, people played them, and they still play them. And I learned a lot, and they had a good time, and that was it. But when I release an Apocalypse World hack, I get access to this huge network of people who, A, will play my game because they're like, oh, I like uh, drug cartels and Apocalypse World. I, I like peanut butter and jelly. I will put those together. That sounds excellent, right? But then they bring to the table a huge level of competency. And this is a double-edged sword. Because on one hand, they're going to look at my moves and go, oh my god, that is so cool, you're doing that thing. And they'll use it, and they'll just like right away get it, and they're going to make it happen, and you're going to get reports back from people where you're like, that's exactly what I wanted. They're also going to be like, wow, you're a stupid designer because someone already solved this problem, and you're being an idiot trying to resolve it this way. And by the way, we played your game and it sucked. I know it sucked because I played about a billion Apocalypse World games and your game was the worst. (laughs) So I think the difficulty here, right, is that you are getting an audience, you're buying an audience by participating in a community. And that community is filled with exciting people, I think in this room and around, who want to help you and want to see your game get better. Assuming that that audience doesn't know what it's talking about is going to get you burnt fast, because they do. And you got to listen to them, but you can't only listen to them. You also have to listen in here and in here about your game. And so there's this tension, I think, between having access to a community that's bigger than any designer who's just getting started would ever have, but knowing how to process feedback from that community, which is something I think that I could talk about for forever, so hit me up later if you want to talk about that. But we got more feedback for Urban Shadows than I've ever seen for any game I've had anything to do with, when I worked on Firefly. Right. And that's because people were like, Yeah, Firefly, I'll totally buy that book when it comes out. Maybe I'll play it. It'll be cool. Or with Urban Shadows, they were like, Yes, please, I would like the heroin hit now. So we need to release the playbooks faster. Where is my favorite playbook? I don't see it here. Right? And I'm like, That's awesome. But like give me like two minutes, man, to like process all the feedback, right? So to so like you as designers you can find a way to regulate feedback as we go. Um, and I think we should get to questions soon unless someone wants to know.
0: We could talk forever about it. Design process, how to design again? Yeah.
5: Questions. Batman. Yeah, sure, thanks. Um, so, Vincent, you
3: you spoke before about how you want to be able to label a lot of stuff in your brain as powered by the apocalypse. But are you finding as yourself as a designer? Is there a space that you're finding that can't fall under that banner for you? Do you know what I mean? Like, have you done a design since then that you're like, I really can't call this that. I can't call this yeah.
0: a power by the Apocalypse game. Yeah, um, I'm making a non-role-playing game. Okay. Not power okay. power <laughs> <laughs> so in that space,
3: though, is that is um, it still I there?
0: I haven't designed a game since Apocalypse World that isn't. Yeah, like what, Epi? Spin the Beetle. Spin the Beetle is oh, straight okay. up Apocalypse World. What are you even <laughs> talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. But I'm uniquely situated in that. Like, I, uh, Apocalypse World, I sat down and I wrote down everything I thought about role playing games. So, of course, that's going to be, that's uh, uh, going to cast a long shadow through my design uh, to come.
3: I guess that leads me then to the idea of then, what is powered by the apocalypse to you, right? Like, if you can't, if you haven't designed out of that space,
1: then there must be some core to it for you personally
3: that anchors it, or,
0: or leads it there. You would think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure.
3: <laughs> uh, okay. Is it like pornography? Know, no, no, no. No,
0: no, no. no. <laughs> it's, it's the opposite. Um, by the, uh, let me... Let me, did, me? did I say it was the opposite? Yeah, you did. I don't <laughs> even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know like that. Um... Powered by the Apocalypse is a marketing term. Okay. So, like, I apply it to my games. Uh, I've, I've published four or five games since Apocalypse Raw, and two of them say Powered by the Apocalypse, and the other two or three don't. And it's not because I think of them any differently, it's not because, it's just because I, for whatever reasons, um, decided to market them that way. Um, Yeah. And I think that's a weird question is when have you stopped hacking apocalypse world? Um, because you know, Apocalypse World is Dungeons and Dragons and Sorcerer and Talisfanta and Arspatrick. Um there's no there's no point at which you create something. Um new. Uh And so, like, this is this is pretty, like, I'm kind of wasting your time, but, like, um, I know we're designers, that's what we do. Go on. (laughs) I don't think it's a meaningful question, um, because all games are designed out of your experiences with games. um, And if Apocalypse World is in there, and you feel like referring to it, um, then you do. And if you don't feel like referring to it, then you don't.
3: Things have branches and roots, right? So like, I do a lot of fake work, and I do a lot of apocalypse world work, and for a long time those were two very different branches for me. And then we started working on like a really deep hack of fake core that was taking out some actions and replacing some actions, and I wrote a, we wrote a discover mechanic that basically like you roll the dice and you either get your questions answered or the other side gets to ask some questions and all of a sudden shit, like I totally mixed my peanut butter and my chocolate and now that, that line is blurry okay. to me. Right, so I think it's, it's great to think about where things come from, because I think it's got that root to it that can be meaningful for you. To go back and read R's Magic and be like, oh, look at all this cool stuff that Vincent didn't include. Um but I think it's not useful to try to draw these lines and be like, this is 33% fate and 24% Apocalypse World and 17%, you know, D&D, like, I don't, who cares? And, yeah. Like what you're saying is he affected us all knowledge of Apocalypse World. and the how para- of Apocalypse World and everything going forward. He did
0: very little now. Uh, as long as it oh. sells copy right. so so check this out I said when you blank then do blank and I named it moves and I'm giving it to you <laughs> <laughs> question. yeah questions uh,
2: questions
0: questions uh, uh,
3: Move, you mean the move we wrote personally? Yeah, so we wrote. That's a terrible question. <laughs> 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 yeah, who's your
4: favorite kid? <laughs> or
3: just your just, just give an
4: example one. of or give an example of how you came up
5: with African. Go so, first. Oh, I go first? Yeah, let me let Vincent go first. Oh, no, we're not gonna go. go first, I go. Yeah. <laughs> um so
2: I I just came up with a move before I got here. So I was still pretty fresh in my mind. So um, uh we were since we're doing uh, Bluebeard, um, I wanted to make a horror move, essentially. And um, I wanted to essentially build in so this may change I'll never be in the game later. But as of now, um, there's there's the move that um is basically when you shudder with fear, uh tell me what uh you're afraid will happen and then roll, and then uh, I get to sort of mess with the outcomes of it, depending on the what you choose. And um, rather than letting you choose from a list of good things, I let you choose from a list of bad things. Um, so which bad things would you like to happen? Um, and I like this move uh, because uh, it's it's interesting to me. It's um, playing on um, sort of positive reinforcement and turning it on its head and it interesting even if it's not um, kind of feeding into the fiction a little bit more in an interesting way. And it's giving me permission um, to run a horror scene with the people there and letting them contribute to the fiction in a way that most Apocalypse World um, moves don't do. So that was fun for me.
3: I think a lot of my favorite moves involve larger systems uh, to push back towards a particular place to mark evidence and buy the book where you're actually working on your case, that kind of thing. But in Cartel, what I've been working on lately, I thought worked really well And the playtest I did was every playbook gets a heat score. The heat score can range from negative two to positive two. So if you're the chemist, you have a negative two. You're just a chemist. You're not up to anything bad, right? And if you're El Narco, you're a plus two. Like, if they're looking for you. But the move is when you encounter La Policia, roll with heat. If you're carrying more than one unit of cash or drugs, add one. If you're carrying a body, dead or alive, add one. <laughs> It. Yeah, it's good because it's gonna come up, right? Ah, and, uh and, and there's, I forget, the uh, just space, whatever the third one is, but there's another one that's plus one. And then it uses the harm thing. On a miss, you're cool, man. Like, the police, the police just pass you by, right? Uh, on a seven and nine, they've got a few questions, but you can keep your cool. And on a ten plus, they were looking for you, and here you are. <laughs> so, for me, like, I love that move because it, it something specific to the character, but then also draws in some fun stuff with like your actions, the choices you made, and then it has this weird thing where you're like, come on, come on, come on, miss, 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 yeah. and like, that's kind of like how we think when we see, well, how I think when I see cops, it's like, please don't harass me, that's what yeah. I would like, my, my ideal outcome is that you just go away.
1: Um, actually, for me, uh, I was, I've been spending an incredibly stupid amount of time in the GM space, and trying to look at DM moves and change the way that flows and, and uh, structured. Uh, so I, I guess for me, uh, it's not even like a, a player move, but DM style, which is um, well, there's a lot of talk in, in the world community of like hard moves, soft moves, and all this stuff. But it's all like ephemeral, ephemeral. like it's all like it's there, but no one hard codes it into their game, uh, or at least not a lot of games seem to. And so I was like, all right, let's just, with my game, I'm just going to straight up make an order of these moves. Like, you know, you ask questions, give barters, you threaten, and if they don't listen, you wield force. And it's sort of a nice little tight order, and just bam, 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 bam. And, um, the, yeah, that was kind of, that's the big thing that I've been playing around with, and it's tight and works, and, uh, it, uh, I would definitely say don't um, like uh, Marissa brought this up earlier as, as a designer, don't neglect the GM sign, okay? Like, like the principles and all that stuff. It, it's really important, and you know your GM moves are going to define what you do, you know. And, and I think that's really important. Okay,
2: so make the implicit explicit, which is particularly awesome about making them rules. Um, because most cool GMs are doing these things anyway. And actually just putting a name to it is particularly helpful for making empowering your GMs to run your game in cool ways, which makes people like your game. Another uh,
5: other, question?
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like, you know, did, who knows? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite uh, new move that I, 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 I that's like a year old um, what? what's the, the
2: move? oh my god no one else move? in the room knows this so a fact level a and I'm pretty so happy yeah that's that's happy the ringer
4: Yeah, yeah I
0: mean,
5: happy, 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 happy How does the move work? You know, the move works. It's, well, it's not incest. It's, it it's
0: totally fun. not even a, <laughs> a, um, a move. Um, like you get to ask a Like, may I? Uh, oh, okay. So, oh, it's it's in fact with you. There, there's some really interesting consent yeah. stuff in that game I, that I'm really proud of. Um, but uh, so you're playing spin the spin the bottle, right? Only. You have a you have a book. Everybody has their own book. They're all a little different. Just a little sheet of questions that you can ask. Um, so I turn to Mark and say, "Mark, will you uh, devour my head as we mate to give nutrients to our eggs?"
3: Yeah. And I say, "I say, I say, yes, but only if I may suckle your mandibles." <laughs>
0: While we engage in lovemaking. Exactly. And, and I say Am I doing it right or is this annoying? <laughs> and then I say, It feels fairly good to me.
3: How about you?
0: I guess the question the follow up <laughs> question is has
3: any
1: apocryphal designer hackers been arrested? You know? <laughs> I was
0: I was at a convention, I'm gonna tell a little story. I was in Italy um this summer. And we were playing Spin the Beetle in a big group, and one of the guys was a corporate trainer in his, in his day job. And he came out to me afterwards, he was gushing, he was like, I've never seen, I'm blown away by how equalizing this game is, right? How good an icebreaker this game about bug sex is in like a corporate training setting. And I'm like, what the (laughs) hell? You mean how good a lawsuit
2: machine? <laughs> <Should laughs> Did he tell
0: you what company he worked at? he so, not
2: So actually, um, I work for a company that does uh, sort of an Hogwarts worldly hat for uh, fancy folks at Harvard. And um, what we do is we do a crisis simulation uh, for a group of folks. Sometimes they're regular students, and sometimes they're like weird foreign diplomats and. For the CIA. Yeah, it's it's not. It's a little unsettling once you find out who you were jamming for it. Wow, you are, you're a
3: prince. That's weird.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically we tell them to create a country. Um, we have like ways to help them do that. Um, fictionally, What? how is it run? And then they play um, such the advisory board to their dictator or president or whatever. And they come up with policies on how to address the crisis, and the crisis ends up being a zombie apocalypse. But they don't know
3: that, so they're like, "Do quarantine everybody who's sick. That'll work out great."
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, there are a few things that we sacrifice um, to make it uh, playable and actually uh, learning experiences in different ways. Like we are definitely not fans of their country. Nope. Which, <laughs> which makes which makes changes. The entire thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so like in you know, if if we were fans of these countries, we would be like, Yeah, that was such a great idea. I'm so glad you buy your problems and made them think they were safe, like awesome. Um, but instead I'm like, oh yeah, that was a great idea. Let me show you how why are you- let me show you how horrible the outcome is of
3: Earth. Your- yeah, so we do this simulation and the goal of it, I think it's quite like what's our favorite move, right? well there's only one move. When you try to do something with a resource role on a 10 plus, hey, worked out okay, to your specifications. So, whatever that means. You quarantined everybody. Congratulations. All the zombies are in one place. That's going to work out okay. great. Seven to nine. Something goes awry, or doesn't work out, or there's some lost message. There's just some problem, but it's workable, right? And then, you know, on a miss, there's a miss. That's the only move. But because it's rooted in this whole different simulation environment, that's all we need to push people, right, to make decisions and live with the consequences. That's really cool. Yeah. We have video on it, so I we show you something. I would love that. Yeah.
2: It's also an interesting icebreaker, but not the same one. <laughs> <laughs> In the back. It's the, just real quickly, I hope the
3: sexy sword fighting game didn't die It um,
0: sounds similar. Um, the the Spin the Beetle is based closely on one of the moves from the sexy sword fighting okay, game. Okay, I that. In yeah.
2: that game, what's yeah. your favorite hack you didn't work on?
0: My favorite hack that I didn't everyone. work on? Oh, everyone. Hooray. Somebody else go first. <laughs> what hack that
4: you didn't work on.
0: I gotta say monster arts for me. Oh wait, I'm telling lies. Wolf spell.
3: <laughs>
0: ringer. Just a ringer. Uh,
3: uh,
0: wolf spell is a game where you're you've been turned into wolves um and you have to solve a problem for your pride or whatever. You're Viking dudes who've been turned into wolves. And um the whole game is this this collapse uh, of the wolf human duality. You know? Um at the end of the game you find out whether you go back to being a human but miss being a wolf or go are able to return to human life or remain a wolf forever but can still talk or you know, things like this. Um and it has a really uh it has a great sort of fairy tale, like old, like fantasy, not in the genre fiction sense. Um, it's a really great atmosphere. Uh, it does an excellent job, Wolfspell, of making you think like a wolf. It brings this really alien, uses the moves to bring this really alien um, point of view. When, you, when you're when you reading a situation, essentially, you use your wolf senses and uh, the questions that you ask really tailor the answers you get right um, into a wolf's experiences. Because um, you all know monster arts, but you may not know Wolfspell. spell. Wolf spell is very, very good. So i will be born to monster arts,
3: and real quickly, like as a straight male, it made me really think about my sexuality and sort of dominance within that sphere. But also as a Latino, it made me think about the ways in which this was doing more than being like, there are gay people. But like actually making those people present and real in the fiction. Yeah, and maybe think about well, what should I do? Like it's kind of challenged me in addition to being a great game. Um, so that's my that's my pitch for it. Avery's an amazing son. Yeah. <clears throat> and
2: mine is also Monster Hearts. I I most of the favorite ones that I have have some sort of influence in whether I'm doing like a tiny playbook or, or just I closely knit with the person. But like Monster Hearts is it's gorgeous. It's flawless. It's written beautifully, excessively. It's—I uh, don't actually like playing it that much, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's an amazing game, and it's my favorite. And I
4: love Monster Hearts, but I'm going to spotlight another one too. So I to the the others. Um, and and the way, <laughs> uh, and, and some of the ways that um, it, it plays. And we've been in a campaign now for like a while. We're like a second, third generation now. Um, and so some of it is how, how the gender roles work and how that dynamic of, okay, you're a woman, you have power, you have just as much power as male. Your power, though, is different than you're a man. You have power, you have just as much power as a woman, but it's different and how you have to use, okay, I'm a woman, I wanna do this, wait, I, I, hmm, I can't do it that way. How do I, and so it forces you to think, okay, how, do, how can I work within my roles to get what I want done, but without getting weirding out, getting weirding out everybody else? Because being cast out of society would be a really bad thing if I would die.
2: And I think that's a good point. I think basically all of the great hacks make you think about something. And I think that that's, that's a really important point to think about when you're designing your own game. What does it make you think about?
3: It's not a That's just about sex and hot stuff and guns and bullets and cars. Just about
2: being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mark. Um, I,
1: my favorite was actually uh, by the book. Actually, I've only played like 20 minutes of it and like a con ago or so, or a couple cons ago. But like, I'm a I love cop drama stuff, and the dynamic the, the dynamic you had going in that game was awesome, and I just want to play more of it and. So finish it. You know.
5: Finish it till I get.
3: Feedback. Feedback. Feedback.
0: Yeah.
1: One more question. Real
0: quick. Uh, just real quick. If I've got a apocalypse world act, and I'm not planning on publishing, releasing, selling. I just want to throw it up somewhere. Uh, is that just like a cool thing that I can do? I can just put it up online. Would you want to know about it, or do you not care? It's um, I would. I would rather know about it, okay. but I can't stay on top of things. Um, so, like, I would love to know with a Link and I'll try to take a look at it. And but even if not, just even if, if not, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but that's not that's not a requirement. Um, I checked with Eric. Is that his name? He's yeah. a he's a the Mersman. Patent and copyright. Yeah, yeah. I checked with him, and he told me that consult your own lawyer. But this is this is broadly correct. That um, if you are using my words, you need my permission. Um, but if you're not using my words, you don't even need my permission. Um, and, and so,
3: And Dungeon World is open on a Creative Commons license. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So many of your words that went into Dungeon World are
0: now open. Yeah. Yes, quickly. Yes,
3: um, explore space. We want to see exploring. What, what space do we want to see unexplored? That's a great end. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. All right. So let's just go in order. Well, well, what well, what, well, what well, hasn't well. been done that should be done? Go. uh I want. No,
5: Okay. So, um, yeah.
0: going. I don't know. That's right I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed because this might exist and I just don't know about it. Um, I would really like. Uh, Spaceship, like yeah. relatively hard. Let's space talk spaceships. I've some work. started stuff for you. Uh, Would like spaceships? And yeah, spaceship. Space. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. It has not been.
3: Yeah, certainly not done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, westerns. I don't see any westerns. Uh, I've done some a little bit of stuff with Land, but that's pretty drifty. I don't yeah. see anything solid for just like straight up western fiction. <laughs>
2: So, since you were just in my game and I know you're developing a Sailor Moon game, I'm all
4: about
2: that. Yes. <laughs>
4: working progress. I'm working so, on it. So, one of my like, guilty pleasures yeah. is
5: like, historical
4: romance
5: novels,
3: and that would be so cool to see. What the I know! I can't make it work. That's it's so hard. I want, I want a picture of Vincent making that face so I can meme it. Like, every time, every time somebody does something on the air, that I'm excited about a 20 plus Vincent
2: card. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything. No, I
1: think that was perfect. We did We're that to happen. Have it. we done. Done.
5: good. Uh, go do your next thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.